the Daily Illini Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Jones. Uh, joined with the same group that we had last week, our Daily Illini Sports Editor, Gabby Hajduk, um, a staff writer from the Daily Illini, Josh Peach, and the Daily Illini Video Editor, Alec Bussey. Guys, how are you guys doing today? Quarantine's getting to me. I'm starting to get really bored. I had a CS exam this week that I actually did fairly well on. I got a C, which is really good for those of you who haven't taken oh. CS yet. Yeah. Um, I have an exam tomorrow that I need to study for, but I honestly, the school part of this is not bad. Like, the school part of this is better. Like, I'd rather, like, have school and have something to do every day when I wake up and, like, than just sit around and do nothing. Like, I'd rather have something to do sitting in the house than, like, literally nothing. Yeah. I feel like I'm slowly crippling to my death. Um, I feel like I don't leave my bed. That's why I'm in my basement. You guys can't see, but it looks it looks raunchy. The basement's raunchy. But um, I feel like I just sit in my bed because I have so much to do. And so, like, I don't have time to just, like, stop being on my computer. Like, my computer's going to explode because I have, like – I don't know. It's just, it's rough, but I was trying to like sit outside earlier today to get some fresh air, but then it was hot. So I went inside. I don't know. I, I'm honestly even fine. Like school's tough and I have a lot of work, but it's better doing that than nothing. Like Alex said, and then stay busy going for runs, you know, getting in shape. So oh. it's not, t- it's not terrible to be honest, but yeah, it's pretty bad. I'm really trying to get the body weight workouts in. I'm trying. True. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's like, it's weird because like last week, I feel like school wasn't that hard. But then I feel like I've been doing so much more for school this week. And I have no idea why. I feel like I've been doing more for school the last two weeks than I ever did when I was actually on campus. Yeah, no, I couldn't yeah. agree more. Yeah. I'm like, how did I go out like three times a week when at school? <laughs> like, I have so much stuff to do. You guys went out? Never me. Never once. Not once. Uh, I saw Josh out. Yeah, yeah, I'm guilty of that. You know he's a freshman. Ooh, exposed. Hey, come on. Oh well, yeah, yeah. I'm allowed to go out. I went all out. I went all. I went out all freshman year. You're so cool. Well, that's a tongue twister. Last week when we finished our episode, we the whole episode was about Alan Griffin deciding to enter his name into the transfer portal. Uh, we got that posted, and then maybe two hours later, another <laughs> Illinois basketball athlete decided to enter his name to the transfer portal. Uh, this was definitely less of a surprise um, in Tevi and Jones. Um, I think we've seen this coming, if not this whole season, even like further back into his freshman year. Like he's been suspended a couple times. Um, he hasn't played, even though I think for me personally, he has maybe one of the bigger upsides, you know, to anybody if he was ever actually able to put all of, you know, his work together. Um, but yeah, what, are you, what were you guys' initial thoughts on that? Uh, like as soon as you guys saw it I mean it's not surprising um it was surprising that Allen announced his transfer before Tevion that was what surprised me I thought the first player to transfer would have been Tevion but he just never this wasn't his spot he you know had some trouble with team rules and everything and I just feel like he he never really found his groove, his spot here at Illinois. And, you know, like you said, he has tremendous potential. I mean, he the length he has is what Illinois needed. But sadly, you know, he wasn't even on the court a lot. I think he averaged five minutes this season a game. And he wouldn't even see the court a lot of the games. Um, so I think this isn't a surprise. And I think it's, you know, he just needs to find a better fit spot for himself. But now you kind of get that room – for these two transfers that set out this year, Grandison and Hutch- Hutcherson, 
who are kind of that same wing position who could really make an immediate impact this year for Illinois, obviously spending the whole off season practicing and learning, you know, the way Underwood plays and the way everybody else plays. So I think there is some upside to the transfer just because there's not, I mean, Tevion would have been competing with those two guys for playing time anyways. So it kind of just, it makes sense to me. I think the thing to remember with Tev and not just like with his Illinois career, um, just in general was that he kind of ended up at Illinois by accident. Um, if you remember correctly, like I think he was supposed to go to Arizona at one point being from Arizona and that was a place where he wanted to go or some school out West. Um, and then Sean Miller, Arizona's head coach had like the FBI investigation stuff kind of pop out, pop around. And I think that kind of, brought Tev to the realization that maybe Arizona wasn't the best place for him because you didn't know what those kind of penalties were going to be like for Arizona. And obviously they haven't really had many, um, but he ended up at Illinois. And I, I remember a lot of Illinois fans were really excited. I mean, I was at that point, still a really big Illinois fan and I was still rooting for the team on a high level basis, but I was excited to get a top 120 kid, I think is what his ranking was. Um, he's athletic. He's, traditionally like what you would kind of want to build if you're building a 2k player he's like six seven he's athletic and he's really long right but it just never worked out for him in illinois because of the things that he got into off the court i mean freshman year he gets in trouble for an academic or a team violation of rules and he's suspended eight games and sophomore year he's suspended another eight games for um an academic violation and you see these things kind of add up and it's really hard for a player to really find a role and really fit in with a team when they're not able to play and they're not able to practice as if they were going to play. So I think Tevian Jones's career at Illinois is just going to be one that was defined by disappointment. I think that fans were really excited for him as a freshman and it just never worked out because of the things that happened off the court. And then sophomore year or hit the summer before sophomore year, it was a thing between him and Allen. Cause if you remember, both of them didn't really have that great of a freshman season and everyone wanted to see which one of them would be in the potential starting five and during their sophomore seasons. And I've seen either one of them started on a consistent basis, but Allen was the one who ended up finding success. And I think a lot of that came from Tev's off the court issues. Um, I think it's important for Tev to also kind of get away from Illinois and find what he really wants in a program. And maybe that's, going to a smaller school or there might be less distractions and he can just focus on school and he can just focus on basketball. And then if he is successful at one of these smaller schools for a year or two, then he can transfer to a bigger school and a power five conference, power six conference, I guess, in basketball and maybe find a little more success as a senior. And there's no doubt that the talent is there, but he has to find a way to put it all together off the court, on the court, work ethic. Um, All those things just have to kind of be put together. I think for Tevin to be successful. Yeah, for me, I remember when Tevian recruited, it was kind of just like, I mean, obviously I was more focused on the guy like Ayo, but I was still excited. I watched some highlights and I was like, okay, he can be good. And then the Maryland game happened his freshman year at the garden where he scored. It was definitely above 15. I think it was 17. Someone correct me if I'm wrong, but he had his breakout game, Illinois won, obviously. And it was, it, it was great. And that's when I hopped on the Tevian bandwagon and uh, some people, on this podcast would make fun of me for that, but I, I was okay. But I really liked him at the end of last year. I thought he had a lot of potential and that his sophomore season was going to be like a breakout year for him. And then the suspension happens. And just immediately with that, you're missing so many games that he wasn't going to, um, like obviously he wasn't going to get the minutes that he wanted at all. And we didn't see that. I think that his only somewhat big shot all year was his three at the start of the Michigan state game. So 
obviously didn't work out for him. I agree with Alec that I think he's probably going to transfer to a smaller school. Obviously where the education side of it is a little bit easier and he can get on top of that and then start to show everyone what he's made of and then maybe transfer. I'm not hundred percent sure on that, but I just know that there's a lot of upside to the guy and I still, I'm going to root for him. I still do like him, but Illinois wasn't a good fit for Tevian and, you know, I'll root for him wherever he goes. Yeah, no, definitely. I think you guys all had some good points, um, especially about, you know, him just not putting it all together. I think that, like Alex said, I think the best thing he said was that that's the 2K player you want, like, to create. Um, it just didn't work out for him, you know, work ethic-wise, talent-wise, whatever. Um, but that does, you know, leave the spot open. You know, that's a, that's a scholarship uh, that Brad and the team can go get somebody. Um, so, so that's all good. I think the biggest disappointment for me was that I really wanted a Jones Jersey, given that that's my last name. Um, and I kind of missed my opportunity, uh, but we'll figure it out. Um, moving on to, you know, the next thing we wanted to talk about this, uh, a couple of days ago, the NCAA ruled that, um, while spring sports will be getting, um, given the opportunity for another year of eligibility, winter sports will not be given that same opportunity. Sports like basketball and wrestling got their last, you know, kind of championship series um, cut off because of that, um, because of the coronavirus. And, and now they won't get their eligibility. Uh, was this a shock to you guys? No, I mean, I personally, this is kind of exactly what I expected. I don't think it would have been fair to give the winter kids another year. And I think it causes a lot of problems for athletic departments across the country if you did give the winter athletes another year of eligibility. I mean, I think Brad said it really well yesterday. I think I only played 32 games. And the seniors being Andres Felice and Kipper Nichols and Tyler Underwood and Samson Olatomeje each played, each had the opportunity to at least play in all 32 of those games. And you can't just give another year of eligibility because you didn't have your conference tournament and you didn't have an opportunity to play in an NCAA tournament. And I know this isn't, isn't maybe the best comparison, but if you compared it to football and the fact that you play your 12 regular season games, well, if you go six and six, you go to a bowl game, but if you don't, then you don't go to a bowl game. So those football kids may not get a postseason, um, whereas the basketball kids just don't get a postseason or the winter athletes may not just get a postseason. Um, I'm not shocked by it. I think the spring move, spring decision is a good one for the NCAA. They're finally doing something to benefit athletes, which I feel like they never do. Um, I think it'd be really interesting to see how departments actually like handle it because it's going to be difficult with scholarship numbers, budgets, um, all of that that goes into functioning a college athletic team is a lot. And a lot of them don't profit. I saw something today on Twitter since from 2016, 2017 that LSU only had three schools profit. And it was football, men's basketball and baseball and LSU is an SEC baseball school. Like a lot of schools don't have that third sport to really bring in profit. So it'd be really interesting to see how schools across the country are able to make the financial aspects of it work. Um, but I think it's the right thing to do. If a kid wants to come back and they want to play one more year, they should have the ability to do that. Now, I don't know how many of them will choose to do that. I don't know how many softball players or baseball players are going to want to come back and play a senior season when they may not have pro aspirations or their sport may not allow them to go play on a professional level. Um, it'd be interesting to see what those seniors would decide to do. I think for me, I've a couple things about this. A, with the winter sports, it makes sense, but you also have to kind of look at a sport like men's gymnastics. They weren't even done with their regular season. They still had a few meets left and maybe even close to half of the meets left. And then you think about championships that's where I'm sure this decision was hard. I mean, obviously 
you know, everyone's focus is men's basketball, March Madness and everything. And in that aspect, no, I don't think you should receive another year of eligibility. You know, it's really disappointing that those tournaments didn't happen. Um, But at the same time, you know, like you played your whole season, but a team like men's gymnastics, you didn't even get the chance to like finish your regular season. So I think that's where the difficulty with this decision comes. But then if you look at the spring sports, I agree. I mean, this was kind of hopefully a no-brainer. Um, I know a lot of things go into this, don't get me wrong, like Alka was saying, but these kids didn't even get – these players didn't even get, like, like half of their season, like a good chunk of their season. You know, baseball, those teams didn't even get started with Big Ten play, which, you know, all the coaches say is, like, their actual season. Um, but I think you look at – considering it from like an Illinois baseball standpoint, you look at two players, Ty Weber and Garrett Acton, who both said, you know, they don't have a set decision yet. This was like last week, you know, they were just talking to media and both considering their options. I mean, you see this now as a huge opportunity because who knows it's going to go with the MLB draft and is the NCAA going to give these players a deadline to make a decision so they can figure out scholarship numbers and figure out roster numbers. But will that decision have to be made before the MLB draft figures things out? So I think the safest bet for some of these players is to just stay another year and, you know, put that work in again and get that senior year. But there's some of those players who really – if they've already finished their master's, you know, don't really have an educational step left to take. That's hard to come back just to take meaningless, you know, meaningless courses and, you know, like put your whole life into that again. So I think a lot of it comes down to what are, you know, they going to do about these drafts and these situations and, you know, at the pro level, what's going to happen there. And I think, that's still an unknown right now. So it's going to be really hard for these players. You know, I like feel for them because this is like, this could make her not make or break their life, but this could be a life changing moment for them. And so I think it's hard, but I definitely think spring sports was the right move on the eligibility front. Yeah. I also agree that spring sports was the right move, but I wouldn't lie if I said I was a little surprised just because kind of like Alex said, the NCAA doesn't seem to care about its athletes that much. So, but they did the right thing. It's a nice gesture. Uh, I'm not too sure that a lot of athletes are going to stay, though. If we're thinking about, like, basketball, obviously they don't have the chance. But, like, think about, obviously, our two main seniors were Kipper Nichols and Andres Felice and thinking about what they have stayed. Well, Kipper Nichols redshirted his first year, so he's been in Illinois for five years. So I think that he's ready to get out. And then Andres Felice is married. Like, I think that he's ready to, like, build his family and move on with his life. So I don't think they would have stayed. And then Moving to spring sports, I up until now for the Daily Line, I've covered women's golf. Shout out Gabby for switching me. Uh, but they had one senior, and that was Tristan Nolan. And she told me when I did a feature on her that she's getting ready to golf professionally. And just because of that, like she's proven herself. She knows what she can do. So I'm not sure that even she would stay another year. And Illinois golf is a good program. So obviously, Gabby mentioned like the baseball part of it with like a big draft like that. And she said that you know, a safe bet would be to stay, but I'm just not sure that all the athletes are going to, like I said, it's a great gesture by the NCAA and it's nice to see them actually thinking about the athletes and giving them the opportunity to choose for themselves. But I'm just not too sure that many of them are going to stay. I think that a lot of them that have the chance to leave are going to pursue that professional career in life. No. Yeah, of course. It's, it's definitely difficult for all these athletes, especially because 
Alex said in, in spring sports, like we're not LSU baseball. So like, for instance, I'm sure that our, or I'm not sure, but I'm pretty sure our only, you know, sports that actually get revenue are basketball and football, maybe baseball, um, but they're probably not comparable. But all these spring sports that, that um, you know, all these kids may not be on full scholarship. They have to, you know, decide with their families if it's worth it, you know, going back just to play the sport again. Um, it's definitely something that, you know, I think that, like Josh said, not everybody's going to take advantage of. And it'll just be interesting to see. But it is, it is a good gesture by the NCAA. Um, I just know for it was just weird for for winter sports because, you know, especially because I did that that uh, feature on on some of the seniors from wrestling and it's like wrestling is all it, it all leads up to that to that big thing because no matter how you know well your your team does that season if you're if you're good enough like you can be an all American and all of that's proven just in in that last three days in in March um, so it just it kind of sucks for them that. I guess for this, this wrestling season, there'll be, you know, no All-Americans, no, no nothing. Um, so it sucks for them that the seniors can't come back and try to prove that. But, you know, that's just, I mean, we live in this, this new world that you know, nothing's for certain. So it's just definitely a weird step. But um, in terms of, of this new world that, you know, everybody's experienced, we're all stuck at home. But uh, that's not really stopping some of these Illini athletes at, at, you know, still getting the work in, still still trying to get in shape for this next season if they're here the next season uh, with the way things are going. But what are some of the guys, what are some of the things you guys have seen, whether on social media, whether that be through like the, the media calls that they do? I know, Gabby, you're working on that story about the, the football um, workout plan. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So I'll be putting out a story in the next few days. Um Lou Hernandez, the Illinois football strength coach, he had a press conference the other day, and then I talked to him actually just when I won the week before, kind of about what they were going to do for these guys because, you know, we were, you know, everyone on campus was on spring break for a week, and uh, Lou had said they already had that week off. So that wasn't much of an adjustment for them. But then they should have been back on campus now, spring football, working out together, you know, continuing that eight-week plan that they had um, throughout the winter after their bowl game season. And, you know, he was – it's really just interesting to see a strength coach perspective because they're one of those coaches who kind of get unlimited interaction with the players. Obviously, head coaches, assistant coaches have limited time, only a certain number of hours a week in the spring that they can really – you know, be working with the players, be talking to the players just with NCAA regulations. So he's really the guy who's like the center of everything right now. Like, you know, coaches have to communicate through him. Players have to communicate through him because he's that guy that, you know, you could kind of go to all the time. Um, But you just really see how much a guy like Lou Hernandez cares about the team and cares about their growth because him and his assistants were nonstop. Um, you know, that week before spring break, kind of anticipating something like this happening. And then during spring break, putting together at-home workouts, talking with players, can can do you have any equipment? Can you get to a gym? Can you get to a field? Anything like that. And you can see his dedication is really rubbing off on these players because you see Josh Matterbebe jumping onto a recycling garbage bin for, you know, box jumps. You see... Um, Doug Kramer and I don't want to say his name wrong, Alex. Alchesky. 
Palachewski, him, him and his dad pulling and Doug Kramer pulling cars, you know, things like that. It's really amazing to see. And, you know, it's kind of like a fun social media thing, but when you break it down, like these are athletes who just want to keep getting better. And you have a coach who wants you to keep getting better. And you have this program who wants you to keep getting better. And I think it's just really great to see something that, you haven't always seen from Illinois football in the past and just this kind of togetherness and this motivation, you know, if Doug Kramer is going to post something and, you know, get his workout in, okay, Josh Romero-Bebe is going to come get his workout in. And it's kind of like that competition and, you know, just that motivation from one another, your motivation from your coaches that I think I found really interesting. And then you get, you know, someone like Alex's dad involved. It's just like something that you really brings light to a dull moment in society right now. And it's been really cool to see, you know, all these guys doing these things on social media. I think what's really interesting with these guys working out is you see them all using some sort of item or they're getting creative. I mean, Kendall Smith was doing walking lunges with 24 packs of water bottles on his shoulders. Like that's really creative. You saw Bebe doing squats with um, like the five gallon water jug. So you've seen what Bebe can do to get creative, but you're also seeing guys like you said, the offensive lineman pulling trucks, pushing trucks like that isn't easy to do. Um, however, at the same time, I think you have to recognize that there's also probably the student athletes and particular players who may not come from the most privileged of backgrounds, which like is a very common thing for football. Um, how they how are they finding ways to be active and get their workouts in if they don't have the ability to go to a field or do something in their driveway or whatever it is like they may not have those tools to find a way to be successful um and there's obviously players on this roster who've had problems staying in champion most notably calvin avery's a player that this coaching staff has been really worried about really since he got here about controlling his weight. How is Calvin Avery doing in this situation? How is he maintaining his physical shape? Because I think this season 2020 for him is almost make or break for him. I mean, he's a junior now only needs Calvin Avery to step up and really be a key contributor at the defensive tackle position and cause some sort of disruption in the backfield. Um, I want to bring something up real quick just to kind of I guess kind of answer your question just based on what Lou kind of told me because I asked him like what are these what are guys doing who don't have equipment or literally can't get to anything he literally said he just wants them to like go run a mile go run a mile or two like because everybody can do that you know I think it's pretty so I his thing was just I want them doing anything that can help them stay in shape whether that's like walking with their parents or like running around the block you know like anything and then something else that was really interesting is they got approved finally this past Friday to send out um to guys who are really they're focused on gaining and losing weight they're able to send out things like protein bars or things like that that they were you know relying on when they were on campus to get that growth and or to you know get lean or anything like that. So I thought that was a really interesting thing that they got passed and really important just because the point you're making, some of these guys can't get to those things right now. They can't buy protein bars. They can't buy things that, you know, they have at the facilities. So I think that's a really big step by the football program and by the strength program, just to kind of answer those questions. I'm just going to say one more thing. I also like seeing like the players do body weight, body weight stuff. A lot of times getting back to your roots of doing push-ups and sit-ups and like squats and lunges, like can really refresh your body and refresh your muscles. And sometimes it's good for your body to 
reset and not have to worry about squatting three, 400 pounds and bench pressing two, 300, 400 pounds. If you're one of those guys, you can do that much weight. Um, and it's good to see guys get creative. And like Gabby said, it it's nice to see that there's leadership being taken and the posting things on social media you hope is at least motivating other players to get out and do something active if they're not, um, in the very least. So hopefully it's working. Um, and hopefully they're getting positive results back inside of the facilities. Yeah. I will say this. I think that I think it's just adding a little bit of like positivity to everything. Like you see them like posting videos and like, yeah, they're staying in shape, but it's also like, it's pretty fun too. Like to go on Twitter and see people pulling cars or seeing Josh matter, baby jump on cans. Like it's just, it adds like a little bit of, you know, fun as much as we can have during this quarantine. And so as much as it is them staying in shape too, like they're posting it, I think they like the attention too, maybe. <laughs> so it's just, I just think that it does add a little bit of positivity and that's fun. Yeah, no, of course. And I think, as as cool as it is to see these guys, you know, do this amazing stuff that none, none of us can do. But, like, they're still not – I have a feeling they're still not working out as precisely as, as organized as they, you know, would have been if they're on campus. So, like, best-case scenario, right, this is all over in the middle of May or, like, by the end of May, best-case scenario, this is all over, sure, whatever. But if they are back on campus in the summer working out, how much of an effect do we see of this loss of, you know, two-and-a-half months – if if football resumes, you know, the last week of August, how much of an effect do we see this, you know, across college football, do you guys think? I think, I don't know, it's hard. Just because another thing I talked with Luke, I kind of asked him a similar question more based on, like, combating injuries and stuff after, you know, not really going through spring football and everything and spring training. Um, he kind of said that this is – on the workout side of everything, this is spring football is more of a relaxed time for that. Not that they're like not doing workouts, but it's more about maintaining and not gaining or losing. So not maxing out and things like that. So on that side, I don't think it makes the biggest difference, but coming from like a straight football side, I think this could be really crucial to a lot of players. I mean, you have people like Marquise Beeson who was out, um, all season with an injury. He hasn't really gotten much playing time with these guys, much practice with these guys. I mean, he had training camp in the fall, but that's only a couple of weeks, and then he got injured. And then, you know, they haven't been on the football field this winter. Now, you know, a guy like that who's supposed to make a lot of noise on this football team doesn't isn't maybe going to get a good chance to get a feel for his spot and, you know, wherever he ends up if he's a starter or anything like that, he doesn't get a good feel for this team and, you know, how this team operates, you know, the schemes and everything like that. So I think for guys like that, this could be really detrimental just because the best practice is, you know, like that actual practice. Like you can study film, you can study anything, you can, you know, do whatever. But I think you have to have that legit practice with a team to build that chemistry around someone. I like how you brought up Marquez Beeson because he's someone who's really interesting. And obviously you tear an ACL in the fall two weeks in, less than two weeks into training camp, and you have a huge rehab process. And that's something that he was going through throughout the entire season, through the winter. And there's question marks about it, whether or not he was even going to participate in spring ball because of the rehab he was going through. It really affects a player like him. Players who had to get surgery, who are going through rehab. And it wasn't just Marquez Beeson who got off-season surgery. I mean, Keith Randolph got off-season surgery. Josh Matterbebe got off-season surgery. Like, these are situations where 
players are rehabbing. And yes, baby. So like doing things like jumping on trash cans, doing squats, running routes with Matt Robinson, but like, he's not, he doesn't have the ability to go in and get the treatment that he was able to get. Um, in terms of this season, I, I do think players are going to be more susceptible to injuries because I think spring ball and the workouts that you have over the spring and summer do get your body prepared for the season. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised to see training camp be altered for every team across the country. The good news is if you're an Illinois fan or you're a fan of whatever school, everyone's really on an even playing field when you think about it, because every school isn't allowed to get into their weight room right now. Every school is forced to have their athletes at home doing these workouts alone. Um, and that is a good thing. If you want it to be fair is the, the question now comes though, how much of an advantage do the schools who rely on talent like Ohio state and Alabama and Clemson, these schools who just have so much more talent and who have kids who are older and bigger and stronger and faster, they might be more successful this season than we even see them in traditional seasons because they are more prepared for seasons like this because they have more gifted athletes. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, like Brennan said, best case scenario, probably this is done by the end of May and that still gives your team three-ish months to, you know, practice together, get in the weight room and just get used to each other. But I mean, every, every player will tell you every day, every week, every month matters. So we'll see if maybe even like team chemistry is down a little bit. Like if we see some sloppiness to start the season before teams get uh, in the groove that we see that they usually are in at the beginning of the season. And then like Alex said, I think that injuries are going to be a big thing too. We might see more players than usual get injured in the beginning just because of that less time to get those workouts and hit the weight room and get stronger. So, yeah, I mean, if you're a team that relies on coaching, this probably isn't going to be as good for you. And who knows, maybe, like I said, you are still going to get three months with your team. Best case scenario, let's say that happens, but, and that is a lot, but you still have these team, these teams with guys with more natural talent who are just more athletic, stronger naturally than these guys. And obviously Illinois is on the lower end of that compared to like Alabama and Ohio state. So if there is next to little, you know, change, like with how the season's going, like how teams play, it wouldn't surprise me. But if you do see more injuries and just like a little bit of like sloppy ball, that wouldn't surprise me either. I think one thing that really benefits Illinois is there hopefully, and someone can correct me if they think I'm wrong, but hopefully there's not much of a quarterback competition this year. Um, I think it's pretty solid that Brandon Peters is probably your guy. And so I think for teams who were going into this season with a little quarterback competition like Illinois kind of had last year, I think that's going to be tough because, you know, spring football is a really good time to see some of these guys in action and, you know, see what they can do. You know, obviously if you have a freshman coming in, they might not, you know, be in that spring football competition. But, you know, I think one place Illinois is fine is that kind of like quarterback competition and not really having to worry about that. But I would say that's just a circumstance that not every team can benefit from, which could cause, you know, other issues for other teams. You're right that they don't have a quarterback competition, but Brandon Peters is still someone who is new to the offense and he's still getting a rapport and a rep in a relationship with a lot of his receivers, especially when you look at guys that got hurt at the receiver position last year. I mean, Ricky Smalling, I still think Ricky might be Illinois' best pure receiver um, on the roster when you look at the things he can do. Um, 
and you lose Trayvon Sidney too. I mean, they lost two of their top three receivers last year, and Brandon Peters wasn't able to build as good of a relationship with those two guys as he probably would have liked to, um, especially considering he got to Illinois in the summer. So he didn't have spring ball with Illinois last year. Um, he really took the job in the summer with individual workouts and then in training camp. Spring ball is going to be huge for Brandon Peters in terms of his development and his building of a leadership role and his building of a relationship with his wide receivers and offensive line, especially the young guys too, especially the young receivers, your Casey Washington, your Kyron Kyron Cumbies, your Delvon Campbells, Um, building relationships with those players, I think is where you really see it hurt Brandon Peters' development the most going into 2020, in my opinion. Yeah, I think you guys all bring up really good points. Alec, I have to agree with you that Brandon Peters is still so new. And, I mean, this team, especially in the receiving court, had so many injuries. And I think that's more what I'm worried about. Like, Gabby talked about it a lot, like Marquez Beeson. Like, um, you had a lot of – you're going to have a a really new defensive line. The quarterback situation, uh, in terms of uh, chemistry with receivers, you know, you're going to have to figure out what you're doing with, with with the backfield situation. Like, there's a lot that this team needs to figure out. Um, but like Alex said, like hopefully, um, best case scenario, it, it evens everybody out. Of course, there's still going to be the Ohio State's and the Alabamas, but I don't see why, you know, this pushes Illinois so far back um, in terms of like teams that they should be after last season, you know, competing with like Michigan State if Michigan State, you know, doesn't get it back together. But I don't know. I think that hopefully if this stuff continues, you know, news is coming out every day, but like if this stuff, you know, continues to get worse – they do kind of add that training um, kind of like a training camp uh, before the season to, to somehow push the season, because I think it's so irresponsible to let these guys out here. If, if you know that their risk for injury is going to be greater. Are you just saying extend training camp? Like, Adam? yeah, like extending, extending a training camp into, into whether that be, you know, maybe pushing the season a little bit back. I mean, anything's really on the table now we're in unprecedented times, but I think putting these guys out there with, with that advanced risk of injury is just, you know, not respectful to those guys who, you know, put so much on the table anyway to, to be student athletes. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I actually like that idea of adding a week at the beginning or the end of, spring, of training camp. I like that. I think it would benefit the teams and the coaches a lot. Just, just like player development and stuff like that. And, I, I, yeah, I think that's definitely a good idea. Probably, yeah, probably at the end, not the beginning, but – I mean, yeah, I like you said, we're in unprecedented times and anything can happen. So if that does happen, I think it would be beneficial for the players and I could see it happening. I think you also could, you know, just make the argument that you have to kind of compensate for spring football as well. You know, those couple of weeks that you get, you know, if you kind of make that argument and say, you know, well, let's just add that on to, you know, fall training camp or just summer or whatever, you know, you kind of get that extended by, I would hope for like two weeks, honestly. I don't think... I feel like you need a couple of weeks at least just to compensate for this missed time. But yeah, I mean, we're at the point where like people are, you know, considering these crazy ways the NBA will still do the playoffs the NHL. And, you know, I think this is kind of a sports year and maybe years depending on the after effects of this, that like things will get changed and, Um, I want to quickly bring up something that one of my professors, Ben Holden, for Media Law, he, me and him were talking about this yesterday about an NBA playoff thing. I know this is kind of off track, but he was saying he he thinks a good idea, which I kind of like it, is like if literally every team 
is technically in the playoffs and like you kind of just like it's like a big like it's like March Madness basically like every NBA team makes it you had to just play your way to the top so like you know the Kings could beat someone they shouldn't beat something like that and I think at this point (laughs) that could go too. you know just looking at all these different crazy scenarios of how to get sports played because I think that's the big thing is people just want sports played you know things might be different but I think at the end of the day you could see a lot of things going and I think this whole spring football training camp thing could be one of those things that gets changed gets altered and who knows maybe it'll be beneficial for these players and teams I kind of like the NBA idea just to, you know, respond to that a little bit. Like obviously this year is different. The season's going to be cut short. So I couldn't see this happening, you know, in the future, but if they're going to do it for this year, I think that'd be a lot of fun, especially with the break, there'd be a lot of upsets. So teams that usually aren't as good, like you said, if a team like the Kings be a team like the Lakers, like that'd just be a lot of fun for the fans. So I would definitely not be in favor of it happening more than this summer or this year. But if they did that, I'd, I think that'd be pretty fun. I think it'd be cool. And you think of, I mean, I know Kevin Durant's agent has kind of said, regardless, he's not playing, but you think of a guy like that. It's like, what if he came back for the playoffs? If it happened at the end of summer, like that makes a difference. So, you know, just little things like that. And even if none of that pans out, it's kind of fun to think about and kind of, you know, a distraction. And I think that's what kind of sports are right now. Um, But yeah, that was just my little side note for the day. Yeah, definitely. Speaking of the NBA, um, I know, you know, everything's still up in the air and this could even, you know, affect, you know, how the draft is done. You know, there's the NBA combine is is important and there's a bunch of scrimmages that go on and teams meeting with players and stuff like that. And I think Brad talked about it in, in his press, you know, call the other day about, you know, if you're not like a solid lottery pick, it's a very hard decision for you. Um, and Illinois best draft prospect is not a solid lottery pick. Um, me and Alec were talking about it. A lot of people don't even project him at the end of the first round. Um, something that I would disagree with, but I think that, you know, it, it's, how do you guys think that if there, if there's a scenario where there's no draft combine and they just, you know, look at what, you know, has happened so far with the college season or, you know, uh, players who play abroad or whatever, and they draft based on that, how does that affect Iodasumu's decision to either test the draft or just decide to straight up come back for his junior season? Alec, you can go first. You go first. I think that Io is in a very interesting spot. And I know this is something that people who pay more attention to draft stock and do mock drafts are pay much more attention to than I do and are much more plugged into it than I am. Um, I find Io's draft stock very interesting. When you look at where he's projected by some people, I mean, the Athletic has him in the mid-30s. Sports Illustrated today, um, we're recording this on April 1st, April Fool's, everyone. Um, <laughs> they projected him at 50 fit, 55. So that's barely being drafted. And ESPN has him as the 87th best prospect in their prospect rankings. And that's not even close to being drafted. Um He's a he's in a very interesting spot. He has intangibles that are very attractive to NBA teams. He's great in transition. He's really long. He can play good defense. He's quick. Um, but he also has 
major concerns. I mean, he, his, his three-point shot, he shot 29% this year from three. And he shot 35%, I think, as a freshman from three. And that was a little inflated because it, he shot the ball really well in the first half of the season from three as a freshman. And then, like, second half of the season, he was closer down to, like, the 29-ish percent area again. So the 29% is probably pretty accurate of where he at is at as a three-point shooter, and that's not good enough in the NBA. I don't care what position you play. It's not. Um, I think it hurts him that the combine and individual workouts aren't going to happen, even though he's not someone who's going to test great. He's not as uber athletic guy. He's not going to go throw down a windmill, and he's not going to have a 30-inch vertical, okay? But he is someone who's going to – test really well in terms of his basketball IQ. He makes the right passes. He's going to take open shots. I think he's someone who would really thrive in the Combine's five-on-five scrimmage that they do if he decided to opt into that because that's open court, that's transition, that's where Iowa's at his best. And I think that is where he could be the most successful and really improve his draft stock. What really, in my opinion, hurts his draft stock the most is that there was no Big Ten tournament and no NCAA tournament. And I know NBA teams talk about it all the time, about how they don't put that much stock into one or two games. They do. I mean, you see guys go up the board a lot because their school makes a run in March Madness. I mean, if you see Illinois beat a two-seed as a seven-seed, which, let's be honest, that isn't that, that crazy unthinkable to think of. A lot of people at Illinois beating Creighton in the round of 32. And Io carries them to that win. You can see his draft stock go way up. No, of course. Um, it's really interesting to to think about the decision he has, and it's a very, very difficult decision. And I wrote about it for the DI, and as I'm like writing about it, I'm thinking, okay, maybe there is a case for him to actually come back for a junior season. But I'm thinking, why would he want to do that? At the very least, he needs to test waters. He can't just – if I was Io, I wouldn't do what he did last season and not even declare. I'm, a, I'm declaring and no matter what. Um, unless I'm hearing from scouts and agents and everything prior to the fact that I'm not going to get drafted in the top 50, I'd say I'm declaring and hearing back what they're going to say. Um, it's, he, he's got a really interesting decision and it's going to be a really tough decision unless he hears back that he's a borderline first round pick that I'm going for sure. I'm, I think I don't, see Io a first round pick right now I don't and I think some of that does come down to the fact that he didn't get to show what he can do on a big stage and that's always kind of you know been his thing at Illinois like he wants to take them to the big dance he wants to you know do the whole thing and I think that wouldn't have made him jump to the top 10 but I think that could have made him a like a strong first round pick if he was able to show teams you know show these organizations that he has that in him that he has that ability and obviously you know not everyone's going to come in like you know, a guy like Trey Young or something and, you know, Zion Williamson and make like a huge impact in the NBA in their first couple seasons. But I think a guy like Io could really benefit from, you know, just being on a roster and, you know, getting more help with, you know, building muscle and getting bigger and things like that and working on the shot. Not to say that he's not getting that at Illinois, but you're at a different level when you're in the NBA and you have multi-million, billion-dollar organizations to help with these things. So I think it, it's been hard for me to think about this because obviously it'd be 
great to have Io back. I mean, you think of him in a third year at Illinois, like what he could do. But thinking of it on a personal level for him, how much is that going to benefit him? I think it's, you know, it could be worth it to take the risk. I think either way, he's going to test the waters, whatever waters there are. I mean, there, who even knows what's actually going to happen with all this draft stuff. And I think that's another thing is, you know, just that concern of, you know, our team's going to be willing to take a bigger risk or are they just going to go for the guys, you know, who they know have a solid three-point shot. And, you know, I can develop other things along the way. I can develop transition. And I can develop, you know, ball handling, things like that. Whereas, you know, you're taking a risk with Io and that can I develop a better three-point shot? You know, can I get more muscle on this guy? So I think it is kind of a balancing thing. And I know I feel like we've all heard things that like, oh, Io's for sure going, like he's for sure going to draft. He's done after his sophomore season. But I think right now it's kind of up in the air and we could be making fools of ourselves and he's sitting there like okay these people are dumb but I think I think like thinking about it and making a case and listen I don't follow draft stock a lot either I don't follow this stuff much either but looking at it from like a college perspective I think it could really go either way at this point and I don't think he's not he wouldn't not benefit at Illinois another year, but I think taking that risk and trying that and you know trying to get to the NBA and trying to make that goal could be worth it right now. I I also think that he's in a super interesting spot, and I think that not going to the tournament really you know hurt him and his draft stock. But I'm one of the people that thinks that Io should stay, and it's for a couple of reasons. First, he isn't the greatest three-point shooter. He's skinny and he doesn't rebound well. Now the last two aren't as important, but the NBA, like we've all seen the way the three-point shot has emerged in the NBA. And if you're not a good three-point shooter, people don't like you as much. So he doesn't have that. And then if he were to stay another year, because this past off season, he got better on his mid-range. He stole a lottery pick in transition. He did a lot of things well. He worked to become a leader, but his three-point shot got worse. And that is not good for NBA stock. So if if he were to stay another year, we know the team's going to be good. So that'd be a tournament run. And I think Illinois could be in final four talk, but talk that talk about that another time. So you get that deeper on the tournament. And if he did develop his three point shot, that's where I think that we're talking like first round pick, you know, 15 to 20, probably not a lottery just because he's a junior, but still a first round pick. And instead of going to the G league at first being on an NBA roster and making more money. So I do think that Io would benefit from staying another year. I do not think his draft stock is high enough right now. ESPN is the most notable of the three sources we talked about, and they have him not even getting drafted. And I know that the athletic is good, but they're the only one that has him as like a close to first round pick. So I, I do think that it's a good possibility Io stays. Now, like, like Gabby said, he could be sitting there being like, ha, like these guys don't know what they're talking about. I'm already declared for the draft, but I think that he should test the waters what is it? Not hire an agent so that he can come back. Can hire an agent. What? I think, I think you can hire an agent. I don't know. He'll, I think that he'll do what he do to keep the option open to come back. He'll come back, get better, and then see what happens after his junior year. I just, I, I have a quick question for Josh. Yes, Gabby. What makes you think that if he didn't improve the three-point shot this year, what makes you think it's going to get improved? Like, yeah, so that's, a, that's, that's another thing. Like, Because if it doesn't improve, then his draft stock goes even lower. But mm-hmm. I think that right now, he, like, if I'm Io and I'm thinking to myself, all right, not a very good th- three-point shooter, if it's going to develop, like 
in the NBA would develop in college, but you're still going to start in the G League. And do I want to start my career in the G League and not get noticed as well or wait a year? And then if my shot does get better, start right in the NBA. So you're right. Maybe his three-point shot won't develop. But if it doesn't, he's just going to be in the G League anyways probably. So That's my whole thing is like how much is another year going to help his draft stock? Because, I mean, obviously this year is – I, nobody knows what's going to happen with, you know, how well the combine will do or whatever, or I mean, the combine won't even happen, whatever. But, um, you know, if he stays another year, that's another year of him being older. And we've seen time and time again, people pass on, you know, look, like Kyle Kuzma, like polished people that go later in the draft um, just because they've spent more years in, you know, in college. So he really has to, I think his decision is going to come down to, you know, how much more can I improve? Is that going to push me to like, you know, like for instance, like Obi Toppin, like he's going to be a, you know, top five pick this year. And without his sophomore season, that would not have happened. He probably wouldn't have even been drafted. But is is he going to have a year of development that's going to make him that much better? Um, or should he go now, start earning money now, even if he has to get picked up, you know, even if he doesn't get drafted, then obviously he can make the decision to, you know, come back or whatever. But, you know, how much does he value that extra year of, you know, development, um, you know, versus, you know, him going now and, and starting to earn money now. So I think that's probably what the decision is going to come down to for him. I'm sure he probably hasn't made it yet because I feel like a lot of these French guys haven't just because nobody really knows what's going on. So um, it's probably something that he's thinking about and something that would be interesting to watch. Something else to consider with this too, I think is – no one wants to go play in the G League. Like, no one wants to do that. But at the same time, like, if he gets drafted in top 40 pick, he's going to get, he's going to sign a multi million dollar deal with guaranteed money. And a common comparison in terms of draft spot and where he's been projected, Io's been projected, is Carson Edwards. I mean, Edwards was drafted 33, I think, somewhere in that range. And he signed a $4.5 million contract that guarantees four and a half million dollars. Like Carson Edwards is guaranteed four and a half million dollars and he's playing in the G league. Like, yeah, it sucks. He's playing in the G league, but at the same time, like you look at what the opportunity cost could be. If he comes back, if Iowa comes back, he goes from maybe making two to $5 million to making seven to $8 million. If his draft stock goes up that much. Um, and he is a first round pick. So it, it's a difficult decision for him. And I don't know if he's ever going to be a lottery pick. I just think he lacks things that make him really attractive to be in a lottery pick, but I do think he can be a first round pick. And I also think this is important for him to consider. And this is something I was talking to um, with someone about in that I don't think it's super beneficial for IO's development as a basketball player to be drafted really early in the second round by a team like the Sacramento Kings or a team like the New York Knicks or a team that is just a poorly run organization that he's going to have to go in there and he's going to have to play a lot. And he may have to have these expectations put on him that just aren't realistic as a player going to a team that is a well-run organization, the Miami Heat, the San Antonio Spurs, the Los Angeles Lakers, the Clippers, the Celtics, someone like that where he can come in and just develop and focus on his development as a player could really, really help him. And I think that's another thing to consider. Like, does he really want to go play for the Sacramento Kings? That's not meant to be like a shot at like the Sacramento Kings. And if you're a Kings fan, I'm sorry. But like, 
if you're a Kings fan, I'm sorry. Or if you're, if you work for the Sacramento Kings, like you're not a very well-run organization. You're, it's a mess. The New York Knicks are a mess. <laughs> the Knicks are a joke. And if I was IO, I wouldn't want to go play for the Knicks. And I don't. Well, but I, I think you're getting paid and you're getting to the exactly. NBA. Exactly. And you're getting paid millions of dollars to go play in the NBA. And that's why it's intriguing for him to go if he is an early second round pick. Okay, Alex getting too heated. I love the Everybody's bad. I, Everybody. I have to agree with Alec that it's not going to develop. It's not going to benefit him if he goes For to sure. a bad organization. I mean, we've seen it time and time again. These organizations like the Kings, you know, have these top five picks and mess them up every single time with, you know, like, the only, I mean, the most notable one right now that they have is is De'Aaron Fox, and he's the only lottery pick that they've had in the last ten years that looks like he's going to pan out. Even in the Knicks, they have lottery pick after year after year after year, and nobody wants to go there, uh, free agent wise, and nobody, you know, all their all their rookies are bad. So, I mean, I think it's something that he's going to have to, you know, work out. And I think at the end of the day, if he falls to the second round or late in the first round, the thing that's going to benefit him most. Late in the first round, is he's going to get drafted by a good team. But even late in the second round, he's you know there's going to be teams there that are willing to take a chance on him because they know how well they are at team development. Uh, it's just really interesting to me, and I'm really intrigued to see what his decision process is. And he has until April 26 to announce if he's going to declare. And I still expect him to declare because I think he would be silly to not declare and at least test the waters. Um, I don't think he makes the same decision he did last year and releases some video saying he's coming back and has more unfinished business. I don't think that happens without him at least testing the waters, but we'll see. Um, and I think he's just in a really tricky spot with everything that's going on in the world. I think it makes his decision that much more difficult. I think that the best case for IO is that he's a late first round pick. Cause I don't see him being a lottery pick and he stays another year. He gets better. He goes to the tournament. Boom, you get drafted by the Bucks. Boom, you're an NBA champion. Obviously, that's like a dream scenario, but that's what I see for him. I think he should stay. He'll test the waters, obviously, but Josh would, I, I think he should stay. Josh would solid kidney for Io to come back is all I'm hearing. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe. <laughs> well. <laughs> it's kind of like that meme that girl. It's like, well, well, you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I have to, I have to end our, I have to end our discussion. Are you ending my show before I can end my show? Yes, but then you can end the show. (laughs) But I have to, Josh and Alec know the Steelers have to be brought up, but here's why. Here's why. why. It's. No, listen. (sighs) Okay. Listen to me. It has nothing to do with anything we've talked about. We're literally talking about Io DeSumo in the NBA draft. And you're like, you know what? The Steelers. Yeah, but I saw as I was scrolling on Twitter, Antonio Brown Brown worked out with Lamar um, Jackson today. Yeah, we saw. So I want to send a thank you to Lamar Jackson if you're listening. Shout out. He definitely is. Because you are now taking the burden of the Antonio Brown curse. Steelers will win the division this year. Thank you. Good night. Thank you, Lamar Ravens Jackson. are not going to sign Antonio Brown. I don't care. Just the fact they're that just he's all in South, They're just curse. all in Florida right now. That's where all I know, but from. there's just this, like, there's this bad juju that he brings. Shout out juju. But um, there's ah, this no, bad vibe juju. that Antonio Brown brings, and now he's leeching it onto Lamar Jackson. Thank you, Lamar. You are a hater. Lamar Jackson the Ravens are too well run of an organization for the next for 10 Antonio years. Brown. Did Lamar, you guys- I, Brendan, you know I was a Lamar fan this year despite being a Steelers fan, and you know how hard that is, so don't. 
Hey, did you guys watch the Mike Vick 30 for 30? No, I have to, though. All right, watch it in the next week before we do another podcast. We'll do a section about it. Yeah, because, okay, yeah. first of all, we should. Second of all, um, I want to know your guys' take on who you think is going to have a better NFL career, Mike Vick or Lamar Jackson, because my opinion is very, like, solid. We'll talk on about it next week. I like that discussion. But okay. this has or been – I'd also like to discuss why the Steelers are going to win the Super Bowl next week. I'm just trying to, end you, Gabby. just trying to end it. I know we have lives, but are you are you done? I'm done. You can you can shut Are it down. Sure? Yeah, I'm done. I'm go run. Well, Gabby, that was your only Steelers reference for the entire, for however long this pandemic end, or lasts. Also, you said the word raunchy. I, don't do that. Not on this show. We're not, <laughs> not on this show. But that has been the second episode of the Daily Illini Sports Podcast. Thank you for joining. Thank you guys for um, joining in on the conversation again. Uh, Gabby, stop dancing in the camera. Shout out Zoom. Uh, See you guys next week.